I realise that we haven't done an introduction or anything. We just started talking about Linda. <laughs> That's not even film related. That was just all YouTube. Yes, um, right. Hello. It's a warm up. <laughs> it's it's like our equivalent of the sort of thing you know they do on like like news anchors do where they just start going like making all those weird noises to like prepare. That's what we do. We talk about Linda. Oh, I thought, I thought you meant like when the, when the hosts chat to each other. Like I thought you were just doing Muppet voices for them talking back and forth. No, <laughs> I realised it was the vocal exercises. Vocal right. exercises, yeah. <laughs> uh, hello and <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't do it. You do it. I really back up. I can't fake, I can't fake friendliness for very long. Like you just jumped in like straight, just Alan Carr impression. <laughs> right. Uh, hi, welcome back to Real Opinions. This is the second attempt. I forgot to send a message to the guys to say we were doing another one. No, well they can, they can come on the third one. We need to establish okay. the series before we add guests. You know, you know, with a good trilogy, they just stick to the same characters for the first two and then add three <laughs> more than the amount already in it in the third one. Right, I've already got distracted. Right, welcome back to Reading's <laughs> second attempt at an episode. So far, not going well as the first. I think it is. I think I think we're talking over each other less. Let's just start. That's true. I think there's less of a delay though. It's yeah. It's it's it'll be a more bearable listening experience <laughs> if nothing else. That's our second. That's the tagline for this <laughs> this episode, episode two, a bearable listening experience. I think that should now be like the the tagline for real opinions in general. But the, 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 so the premise of the show is that we talk about film things, but we haven't talked about any film things t so far today. We'll event well maybe we'll talk about some because we just whenever we're talking we generally go back to films or insulting films or laughing. It's the only way we know how to. Communicate with other people is through the sort of middleman of film. It's how we talk is by making references. Otherwise, we have nothing. We we can't make a full conversation unless we're belittling a film that they enjoy. I think it was James who told me that I just taught like Peter Griffin from Family Guy, and like ninety percent of my sentences are just like it's like that time when, or this is just like that movie. <laughs> That's just that's just how I speak. So it's like so in your mind you're you're playing out Family Guy like side jokes. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like Harrison. Why are you just staring at this into space for a few seconds? It's like give, give it a minute. Give it a minute. It's it's almost over. Yeah, this is one of like the chicken fight ones that lasts a few minutes. One of the really long drawn out cutaways. <laughs> But they, they challenged me not to make any film references for, like, an hour. And it became like, you watch Friends, right? You know when Chandler's not allowed to make fun of any of them? And then they all start saying things that are very easy to make fun of. And he's just, like, like pulling all those faces. And it was like that. It was like, all of a sudden, there were so many opportunities for film references. I do find it funny that they challenge you to make a film reference. It's not to make film references. And so your response is to make a TV reference to something. <laughs> We <laughs> didn't rule them out. Like you're the kind of like it's the asshole genie in a film where they don't they don't <laughs> spot the yeah. loophole before they say the wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Harrison would just shut up about films. <laughs> Man, I just talk about my favorite episodes of Full House or something for the rest of the day. Did you ever watch Full House? No. 
I just know that I just know that people who reference TV a lot reference Full House a lot. I th- it's a very American thing. It's not something that ever went round here. I don't know. Yeah, but a lot of those like eighties American sitcoms are still just American sitcoms, whereas like modern ones translate over more. It seems, but like all those ones from the eighties mm-hmm. just never seem to get here. Like I never see reruns of any of them or anything. I think I think Cheers did well over here, but I don't think yeah, Cheers, Cheers, but Cheers is like the one, yeah. isn't it? Cheers, Frasier, Seinfeld didn't do that well here. Yeah, that's, I've so never like, seen I, Seinfeld on TV. It's such like an iconic thing in America that you'd think. I, I guess now we have things like Netflix and whatever. It's more likely for those things. Like I would have only seen It's Always Sunny, um, because of Netflix. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the the topic that you did. That you brought up because I, I can't think of anything to talk about is just the summer recap, which I, c- I feel like I can't really do either because I've barely seen any. Films I think we summer. can between us. There's not. I don't really think apart from a couple, there aren't many that neither of us have seen. Because like, okay, I yeah. I haven't seen Finding Dory, but you've seen Finding Dory, and so I think between uh, us. That's true, and I never reviewed it. So but, yeah, exactly. Ah. So between us, we can just about make it through if we avoid Ghostbusters. If we avoid the one obvious thing, because I haven't seen Ghostbusters. That blockbuster, blockbuster, uh, Tarzan. Tarzan. I never saw it. I kept saying, you know what, it's free, I'll see Tarzan. I just could not be bothered. I couldn't be bothered even when it's free to see Tarzan. I think a lot of people just felt the same way, that they just couldn't be bothered to see it. I I mean, I don't know why. It's not that... I heard that it did badly or anything like that. It's just that I didn't hear anything. Yeah. Right? No, I didn't even bother to look. I don't. I have no idea if it was well reviewed or not. I couldn't tell you. It could have got like four stars across the board, and I would not have noticed. Because even like like I watch YouTube videos just passively, but I still couldn't even be bothered to click on a YouTube review of the Legend of Tarzan. I just couldn't be bothered to hear to passively hear if the film is good or not. I couldn't care less. Like, that is how little I cared about the quality of that film. <laughs> it's just, like, I, it's one thing to not be want to read reviews, but to not even want to listen to them, because the film looks so meh, is another thing entirely. I think if there was, like, like a guy who reviewed films with, like, emojis, I still wouldn't be bothered to look at the emoji. I couldn't be bothered for a one-word review, for a thumbs-up or a thumbs-down. I don't even care enough to know. I just don't care. The thing is, you could with an emoji, because you could do the little, uh, see no evil monkey. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> that would be perfect. That's a, that's a Tarzan review right there. But that, that's, that is the way to do it. But, um, to go against uh, your video that you put up a while ago uh, about Rotten Tomatoes, I, I never I never use the site, basically. I, I just never have seen the point in using it. But like it's not just something that I go on anyway, but I just flicked on to see what Tarzan got, and it's, it surprised me. It was thirty six, apparently. Which, which way did that surprise you? Well, I just it it just seemed a bit lower than I expected it to be. Like it's in it seems like it's low enough that people would be what? Oh, okay, right, okay. This this will prove that I do not know how to use Rotten Tomatoes because I just looked under it for the first time and I realised there's an average rating. And the average rating is 5 out of 10, which sounded which right sounds... to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right down, right the, right middle, down the middle, just bland. Anyway, right, we, we were going to go on to a, a, a summer summary, 
some some summary. That's it. That's that's what the video is called. That's it. We've got it now. <laughs> Real opinion summary. The thing is, if you can't, if you're just listening to the audio, you can't see to me like doing like the jazz hands as I said. Summary. <laughs> and also, I don't know if the pun works as well. It's probably it probably works just the same amount. It's just not funny. <laughs> Right, what, what right, is the well, list of things, things that came out in, okay. in the summer? Okay, uh, should we start just a I little can, bit before the summer with what was sort of the first summer film, which was Civil War? Okay. Yeah. It wasn't okay. proper summer, but it was summer enough. It was a blockbuster, and it felt like a summer blockbuster. So I think seeing as me and Ben reviewed it, and I basically talked about it like three times, I think, on in various different places. Uh, oh, maybe yeah. maybe yeah, you go. Uh, see, I'm gonna feel bad. I I've watched it twice now. I think You've watched twice. it one more time than me. Then you haven't watched it more second time. No, nope. I liked it. That that sounds like I'm really negative because I do that, but uh, it's just because I'm trying to remember it yeah not that it was like at the time i was genuinely like the first time, first time i had much I more had much fun, more the, fun second time the second time than the first really because the first, the first, I, felt first a bit... I felt a bit underwhelmed because of everyone saying it was the best marvel film ever mm. and i kind of went into it thinking this would be the best marvel film ever and then it was just kind of the same just cut and paste style of a lot of it i do I think it feels like, like, my favourite Marvel films are still probably Iron Man 3 and maybe Guardians. I don't know. Because they, it feels like they have, like, a voice. And I know that it's yeah. it's within, like, the Hollywood system, so it's they're only allowed to have so much personality. Are you saying they're auteurs? Yes. <laughs> Shane Black is an auteur. But I mean, what I mean is, like, they, they have, like, there's definitely still the Marvel uh, style and the Marvel, like, copy and paste things like the Infinity Jokes and, and the big final in the sky and everything. Those things are all there, but there's definitely a sense of personality and a sense of, like, this man made it and made it his own thing. Whereas yeah. both things the Russo brothers have done have felt like Marvel films and the most Marvel-y of the Marvel films. Like, the most, like, these are exactly what Marvel films are. But I think they're quite good at it. Unlike, say, maybe Alan Taylor, who made one of the other blander Marvel films and didn't do it as well. Or Peyton Reed. Like, at least the Russos are quite good at doing the studio thing as studio-y as it comes. I don't think it's... I think it's just because they do a very clear style. Like, you're never really confused with anything that happens on screen. I mean, there was a bit of the moment, like you said, with the cutting in the very first intro scene. First action scene, yeah. yeah. But that, I think that's just due to, the, due to the cutting, not the way that they've shot it or anything like that. And that might just be because it is a longer film, so they want to cut it up and speed it up in that beginning bit when it's least... The action's at its least important because it's just setting up this is what the characters are doing already. But yeah, it feels like it's a very clean style, and that's just because, I don't know, maybe it's just because they come from TV, where you're used to getting lots of clear coverage so that everyone understands what's happening, and it's just to relay the lines, or something like that. Like, I was watching, I just decided to flick onto Netflix the other day, and I watched uh, Arrested Development, again, from the first time, just like the first episode, and it was directed by the Russo brothers, and I was like, oh, 
this is this is weird and again it's just a very it's a mockumentary style so they're used to very getting very clear just generally just tv almost and uh, we com i always technically complain about the marvel films calling them just basically big tv movies but to be honest if they play up to that fact then i can't really fault them for some of it i mean it's a plain style but like you said they definitely the russo brothers have played into it the most i mean yeah i'd say that they're the best at the plain style with maybe john favreau coming second over joss whedon Yes, because oh, I was gonna say yes because Joss Whedon screwed up the second one, but then I realized Iron Man Two is a thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so John Favreau and Joss Whedon are equal, equal. Yeah, but um, I mean, I, I and I think what I liked about this one as much is that for the first time I felt like I cared about some of the characters. Exact characters. Yeah, no, def definitely some of the characters that I especially cared less about as well, like Bucky and. Vision, less so Vision, but Bucky and, uh, you know, like, I've never found Black Widow as great as everyone else thinks she was, but she was decent here. Like, all of the sort of B-listers, I felt like, yeah, they're quite good. And even Ant-Man. Ant-Man, I was like, he's actually really good. I like Ant-Man quite a bit. And so I did feel like I cared. And like you said, uh, in some respects, for the first time, for certain characters. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely some of the the banter problems that I had from the other films where it just felt like, like, these characters have met. Now they're instantly, like, hitting each other with yeah. one line. It's like, they're perfect, aren't they? Like, uh, and it's just, I think it's just because, the, again, they want to speed it up. They want to get to more action. They want to get to the proper scenes. When it and first so... happened, it was a Joss Whedon thing. Like, there wasn't that much banter. And then the Avengers happened. And, you know, it was Joss Whedon's thing. So you can't fall yeah. for that's Joss Whedon's thing. So it's fine there. But since then, it does feel like they've all gone that way, but without Joss Whedon writing them. And when you have yeah. Shane Black, like Shane Black does his own unique style of banter, and so does James Gunn. But when it's not James Gunn, when it's not Joss Whedon, and when it's not Shane Black, then, <laughs> then uh, the banter can feel very much like the banter that you'd get in a Joss Whedon TV show when one of the lesser writers was doing it. Someone trying to write like yeah. Joss Whedon, but not quite as well as Joss Whedon. And uh, I, I think off the top of my head, I think of I think a lot of these things that I'm criticising, I think of Thor 2 as the one where like that's quite evident. Thor 2 felt very much like someone told them to make it more Joss Whedon-y. Uh, but I can see that it's sort of evident a little here too, in Civil War, a little bit. And I think just going back to the TV point from bef before, I think the the dialogue would be a lot worse if it wasn't directed by people that knew how to do comedy filming, because they've done mostly comedy TV shows. And I feel like the cutting between for some of the jokes and the timing for some of the jokes really helped sell what would otherwise, I could see them falling very flat. Some of the jokes. Like and there are, and it, I'd say that it's the first time since a film that's attempting the Joss Whedon style. Like it's, I'd say it's the first time that I laughed at one of those. So not Shane Black, uh, not James Gunn. Just like the first, yeah, attempting the same style humor. And it was the first time that I laughed at one of those jokes since because I think it was just the timing was decent for that. And uh, 
Yeah, I mean, um, and at the end, I cared a bit more about the characters than I thought, and they actually came to an emotional conclusion as opposed to a big explosiony conclusion. Yeah, well, it, it has nice. its, I liked. it has its peak at the airport rather than at the end. Mm. All the other ones have that save it for their big massive action finale, whereas this has its big massive action finale, like three quarters of the way through. So that it can yeah. do something a little bit... I mean, it's weird to say that a fight between three people is a little bit different nowadays, but it is. Because they all end with big, massive space lasers shooting at the sky. So the having the, having the, three, having the, the three aside fight as the, the end is actually a little bit refreshing. Just because it does feel a bit more intimate and personal. Because so many of these other big ones, because they go for scale, the ending can often feel like the villain gets lost in it. Or that there's less stakes. Whereas having uh, having actual characters that you know fight for the end actually weirdly feels more climactic now than the big showdown against the bland space army. Because it yeah. feels like there's more of a personal reason for it and that there's a bit more stakes. I also thought, I said this at the time and I still stand by, I genuinely think that Nemo is a... Is he Nemo? Zemo! Not Nemo. Zemo is a pretty decent villain. I think he's a pretty decent villain. <laughs> Nemo. Because yeah. uh, uh, I understood him. I understood him and I think it was nice for the Avengers of all people to be fighting someone who wasn't just a big supervillain with a big army, but someone who was had a personal grudge rather than a world-destroying for vague reasons grudge. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say I think it's my favourite Marvel villain in the films, unless there's like one that I've completely forgotten, but, except from Loki. Yeah, okay. But to be honest, I'm a bit negative against Loki now just because I feel like he's, I've grown a bit tired of him. Yeah. Which isn't fair because at the beginning he was the best, obviously. obviously. And because and they because have they one had decent one villain, decent they overused him, him a lot. Yeah. And, and like, like, yeah, I'd say that, yeah, it, I'd say that even, even though he's not a remarkable villain in any way, he's still the best, the best Marvel villain, villain, I'd say, no. out of, out of, besides Loki. Besides Loki. I think Loki was was uh, his, I genuinely remember like when the first Thor came out and I thought Loki was great and no one else did and then when it was the Avengers that's when everyone else was like Loki's amazing but I thought that Loki was at his best in the first Thor because it was before he became like as funny and it was uh, it was yeah. all about his genuine sort of like relationship with his father and with his brother and like it made you sort of feel for him and he was like a without building up too much like a Shakespearean kind of villain who you understood and who was like you could buy into his anger and everything and then as he came along he's sort of been trivialized more and more and become more and more of a he's the funny villain <laughs> yay he thinks he's smarter than everyone else <laughs> so when Zemo comes in and they've like just tried to do a proper villain again it was like again with the sort of believable motivation that worked better than all of that fucking ronin <laughs> like yeah, like oh. all, all the other bland because they they so many of them because the marvel heroes now are very powerful it's not like spider-man where they've got you know they've got he's got spider-man's got some powers but there's one of him 
But when you've got the Avengers, there's loads of them, and particularly like the Hulk and Thor are so overpowered that they, with the villains, they just go for the most powerful and the most sort of the ones that can do it on the biggest scale where they're destroying the world. And it means that you don't, they don't go for the personality as much. Uh, as say you could with Batman, where Batman just fights dudes, but he fights dudes that are far more interesting with with the with all the inmates from Arkham. And it feels nice for Marvel to just do a villain that is more about his motivation and more about uh, who he is and why he's doing what he's doing than just about how tough is he and how much of a physical uh, match is he for the Avengers and what kind of action sequences can we use him in. Yeah, and to be honest, it's kind of stuff like that that just sets me up for feeling like I am going to be... I'm not I'm I'm not the biggest Marvel fan anyway, but there's something about the building up to Infinity War that is just inherently exciting because it's one it's well, it's just something that's never been done in cinema ever before. I mean, up to this point, it's still something that hasn't been done in cinema, but something of that scale still to come. But at the same time, it's it's he hasn't got a personal reason to attack or anything like that. It's just another. It's just another. I want to destroy the world, villain. And he's just, at the end of it, like you said, he's just a bigger bloke. Yeah, no, that's exactly, just, yeah, no, that's what they all are. And the best ones have been the ones that aren't. Like, I know some people really like, like, I was talking to Ben and Chris and they thoroughly disagree with me. But I think that, to this day, perhaps the worst Marvel villain is actually their first from Iron Man. Because he was literally just Iron Man in a bigger suit. And then it, and even then, it was a shit suit that that had all those weaknesses. It couldn't even fly up without freezing. But it just it, like that one to me was the blandest of them all because it was literally like, who's the villain? It's Iron Man, but bigger. I would counter you with uh, Ant Man because no, but at least no, but, 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 I don't know. But he like, at least he. Sort of like at least he was a like a slimy douchebag from minute one, whereas this was just a guy who halfway through they went we need a villain he's now a villain and he's in a big suit, at least at least the guy from Ant Man had that sort of like I don't know smug demeanor that made him a bit more hateful. Yeah, but then again, I would say that the villain from Iron Man, Iron Man one I can't remember his name. <laughs> I just. <laughs> Obadiah Stane. Is it? I don't know if I've made that up. I literally could have just said gibberish. I don't know. <laughs> Obadiah sounds kind of right. I don't know. Anyway, but um, the fact that is that so who's that's, Happy? That's... Is there someone called Happy? No one's called Happy. Who's what's John Favreau called? Oh, maybe it's Happy. I don't know. <laughs> I only like the third one. The point uh, uh, is that, so for, at least for the first one, he has a villain. He's like, he's connected to Tony. He personally knows Tony. And so he's kind of like, well, I've been running the company this whole time. Now you've showed up and you're kind of annoying. And then the Wonder Kid shows up with a new weapon. He's like, I could really, really use this. And he's like, no, by the way, I'm going to screw over this thing that you've built for years. So at least there's a, there is a motivation for him to kill him and all of that. There's a motivation. And, and I agree with there's that. There's a motivation yeah. in Ant-Man. And I, the thing that kind of, for me, balances it almost is, as you said, that the fact that his, shoot, his suit's actually rubbish at the end. <laughs> he's, 
it's like it's got a shit targeting system. It moves slower. It flies significantly slower, and then it freezes at the top. It's just crap. It's like it's just useless in every way. I don't know why he thought I'm gonna make it bigger and clunkier would make it better. When like the whole point of the suit wasn't its size, but it's like how technically sophisticated it was and how how like advanced it was. But he just went, I'm gonna make it bigger. <laughs> This is bigger. It's not even better. It's, it's just shit. What's that? Well, I, would <laughs> I would argue that therefore Ant Man's villain is even worse because Peyton Reese saw Iron Man one, and he thought, "Oh, people already loved Iron Man one. I'll do that." It's just it's bad that the, the fact that they continued to they thought that that would be a better. They thought it was a good... Because it's just, it's lazy. The first one, stupid. The second one, lazy. And I hate lazy more than I hate stupid. Fair enough. That's just my argument. That was a long time that we spent talking about Civil War, <laughs> sort of. It's fine. What What's next? Jungle Book. It was fine. It was so fine. I I, I just... I'm thor- it's, it's, I think it's the most confused I've been about a film's reception this year. Like, even more than I've been confused by Apocalypse. It's obviously the other end oh, of the okay. spectrum. But I was just, I was sat there the whole time thinking, this is so average. <laughs> this is just, the this is exact. like, when Ben saw it, he was like, oh, we were so wrong. We were so wrong. And then I saw it, and I thought, I couldn't have been more right. <laughs> it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was uh, quite bland. I thought that... Contrary to what Ben said, I thought it did sort of go for this weird, darker tone. I didn't I didn't like the sort of photorealist approach to the animals, because it was weird when they started talking. So it's like, they, they look like proper animals, but then they start talking, and all of a sudden it's just weird. Like, if they were cartoony animals, then, I don't know, it would, but it, it just felt odd that they went for this really realistic way in the way that the animals move and in the way that they look, and then they start speaking, and it felt weird to me that that it was sort of doing this whole kind of, like, photorealist approach to everything, and then they were talking and sometimes singing, and it, it made it vaguely creepy, I think. Yeah, no, I did find it creepy. Just in the trailer. I mean, I only saw the trailer. I found it a bit uncanny and a bit strange. And then, like, it's also, like, the whole film is on, like, a, I, I, from what I understand, none of it was filmed on location at all, right? It's all against a blue or a green screen or whatever. And I just started thinking, why? <laughs> why is everything here not real? And it, it got to this point where I started thinking, why are they doing a live-action Jungle Book if the only thing on the screen at any time that's real is the kid? Because all the animals are CGI. Yeah. All the environment's CGI. Why is this even a live-action film? Why? <laughs> just why? And then just little things, like any scene where they did directly take from the cartoon, like the um, King Louis scene, it just felt flat. That's it. That's how it just all felt really flat and bland. Like when they do, um, I forgot what King Louis song's called. But when they do that, everyone's just like everyone's just sat down. Like in the cartoon, they're dancing around. What? And, yeah, in the cartoon, they're dancing around, right? And they're swinging and the 
everyone's dancing and, and there's like Baloo and the panther are kind of sneaking their way in and he's swinging about and everything. I didn't this, it's just Mowgli stood watching while all the other, uh, all the other, whatever they call him, Gythantrochipicus things, they're all just sat around watching as Christopher Walken monkey sits down, waving his arms, going, I want to be like you. That's, that's actually made me hate it. Like, it has no motion at all. I think he gets up for a little bit, but he doesn't, he doesn't move. Like, he stands. But it's all in this enclosed dark room. So, you know, exact opposite of the big, bright, open space jungle full of colours. It's just in a dark room with the big gibbon standing up, just sort of waving back and forth as he sings. And it's like, why is that? Why did you make that as boring and bland as you could? And that's how I felt about the whole film, really. And I know that no one seems to agree with me, but I just thoroughly don't see what anyone sees in that film because I thought they managed to just take the Jungle Book and make it less fun. I think it was just people were so surprised. I think without I think people just have such low standards now <laughs> that anything that is serviceable is great. Like it works as a film. The narrative is coherent 10 out of 10. Like I understood it. Yay. <laughs> Two thumbs up. But it's just so bland and just blah. I think it had a lot of reasons for being very lenient in that it's a remake that's not strictly bad in which people go oh it's a good remake like they they so they they it's people love to latch on to I hate remakes but I feel like the moment you give them an example opposite they'll also love to have that as well um VFX which now that you're talking about it makes me feel more like Disney did it so they can bag an Oscar later. Later. Mm. They are very good. They are very good, but yeah, also yeah, I don't, why? Yeah, yeah, I don't. yeah, that's the thing is that if you add one real person in, then technically it's a it's VFX. It's not it's not animation. That's but the, that's like Wally had Wally has more like Wally has those videos where there's the guy in the room. Yeah. So Wally has more live action components than this film does. Uh, so, so yeah, so you've got the VFX, so people can go, oh, the VFX are amazing as well. You've got, uh, well, cast, which you said you found it creepy. I found it creepy just from the trailer. I found the voices very, like, they just didn't connect to the characters. That sounds, none that of them, sounds weird. None of them do. They all sound like they're famous per a famous person talking yeah. over animal footage. You know, like, they have those shows where they get comedians to, like, voice over... Over animals documentary footage. It's just like, what if we got Bill Murray to talk over a footage of a bear? <laughs> it just it doesn't it's feel like... like the voice of Baloo. And not because I need him to sound like the cartoon. I just mean it doesn't sound the vo like the voice of the character in that film that they made. It feels like they just hired famous people without even audition they wouldn't have auditioned them, but without even like even thinking about whether or not it would work. It was just famous. Yes. Famous, you'll do. Idris Elba, why? I don't know, he's in everything now. Ah. I was expecting, like, just from the trailer, like, I imagine at the end, like, it's just, like, one of them just saying a joke about being an animal, like, Bill Murray going, oh, where's the apples? I love apples. And then Jimmy Kimmel comes in, like, clapping and laughing, like it was a bit of one of his <laughs> meme shows, or what he does now, <laughs> when they try to get virality every week or something. But it did feel just disconnected, just completely disconnected. And there was a final point, but I've completely forgotten it now. 
but it's no, it's but it's there's a lot of I feel like there was a lot of reasons. Disney, Disney, just because Disney can do no wrong. Disney. When was the last time Disney did a bad film? I I don't even remember. All the money, all the money keeps me sane. (laughs) 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 That's that's why I hate DC films because I love Jungle Book. (laughs) They love they love Jungle. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, and then the final thing though is that it's a children's film and people are generally critics just if go easy it, on yeah because they feel like oh but if it teaches a child not to be a dick then this is pretty good guys this is pretty good film this is pretty good experience there was a child film that got released this year the Zootopia I really liked the Zootopia but I didn't I don't feel like I went easier on it because it was a kids film I just liked it because it was good it had problems, and I criticised those problems, but I thought the one thing that Zootopia didn't do was grossly simplify itself because it was for kids. Like, it has all this, like, um, anti-racism theme that's quite overt, but at the same time, it, it felt like it was more than just don't be racist. It was kind of like, sometimes people are racist because they say things they don't mean to say, or sometimes they have genuine, like, maybe they've had bad experiences with a group and it kind of makes them think this way. So don't just assume all racist people are bad, but also don't be racist. But also racism can go both ways and it felt like it was very kind of reasonable and not just simplified and overly idealistic. It felt like it was something that you actually should show to kids because it sort of teaches them the complexities of racism but in a very clear way. So there's no reason for them to be dumb but if you ask me what the message of the Jungle Book was, I don't know. But it felt like it was all just the same thing about finding your home, find out who you are. And it's like, that's just every kid's film ever. It's, who are you? Find out who you are. And you. <laughs> <laughs> I should do a kid's film. <laughs> A slightly drunk man just got my go. Find out who you are, Timmy. <laughs> and Harrison, I understand you're you're here selling your new Disney film, Jungle Book. Is it Jungle Book. F- find out who you are. <laughs> it's like the, speed, the bit that they use in the trailer when it gets to the inspiring bit, and you'll see footage of like the kid doing something on his adventures, and there'll be a voiceover of his parental figure giving him a life lesson. <laughs> it's just find out who you are. <laughs> Hey kids, find yourself in cinemas with Disney. <laughs> this this summer, find... My point was, is I don't even know what its point was, but I'm sure it was a very bland, generic message as well. I just thought it was... Its point was money. Its point was money, that's true. I just don't know why everyone's giving it a pass, because there are so many bland, generic reboots that get hated on, like Robocop or whatever. And this is just as bland and just as generic as those, but for some reason this one's different because Disney. Disney. I think, yeah, like I say, it's just a combination of a lot of different passes that critics generally give to things. Um, Does Zootopia count as a summer film? Because we kind of almost segued. Yeah, we never reviewed Zootopia. I think it came out around the same April-y time as those, so... 
Yeah, we can cover it. We can talk about... Well, we haven't talked about summer at all. <laughs> we talked <laughs> so about fast. Civil War. It's because summer was shit and everything good came out in April. Um, Zootopia was good. Have you seen Zootopia? Yeah, yeah, I have now. Oh, right, okay, good. Did you like it? Yeah, I agreed with everything that you just said just now about the racism thing. Like, it, I was going in expecting very... Well, not, not very overt themes, but just because I felt like critics felt... It was strange in that no one seemed like they fell into the middle line with the critics that I read, in that they seemed to say, oh, it was so br- brilliantly subtle, or oh, it was right in your face the whole time. And I felt like... It was in the I felt like it was genuinely... Yeah, almost in the middle, if not actually quite well done subtly. Because, it, I mean, it's like you said, it's an t- uh, easy way to teach it to kids. Like, race is a very, like... It's literally a black and white issue for a lot of stuff. But it's the fact that for a kid, that's a lot harder to understand than saying, tigers eat bunnies. That just makes common sense to a kid. And the fact that they can all live together in a city, that's only, as a kid, I can imagine that's a very, like, obviously they're not going to watch it and come out and go, like, racism's bad now, mummy. Oh, they're not going to say that, because obviously... They're also not Victorian kids from the village of the Downs, so they... <laughs> worth the shilling (laughs) one of the bits that i really liked in it because it's such an old film now um i I don't feel bad about spoiling but the bit i i really liked was when i can't remember the gist again i've only seen it once but uh, the bunny (laughs) is talking at like the press conference and she says something that she means kind of innocently about predators and the fox takes offense to it and it felt like it wasn't, all of a sudden it wasn't just like, racism's bad, it was like anyone can say anything at any point and it could set someone off and you have to all kind of chill out and understand each other. And it felt all of a sudden like it had gone from just racism bad to like real genuine drama that I would yeah. have accepted in an adult film. I mean, and it was a, it's a kid's film about two friends, it's a buddy cop film, sort of. And so I knew, going into the third act, they've got to stop being friends for some reason. That's just That's the just given. trope. And I think that it did it very well, in that it was a issue that it used the theme as well as part of it. It was, like, it was a sort of sort of conclusion to the plot. It, added, like, it was almost a proper conclusion for some things. And then it added something else to the film. And... It wasn't an issue that was resolved with, say, she she got into trouble and then he swooped in at the last second because he decided to forgive her. It was a thing that showed that they could get over each each other's, like, the problems with each other by talking to each other. Like, it was just, it was a thing where they resolved it by not being forced into a situation, not having to, like, forgive each other in the moment. Like, they just talked to one another and that, that solved it. And I was like, that's actually for... And again, I said that uh, sometimes critics give films passes because it teaches kids a good message. But in this case, I feel like that is such a... It's not so much that it is a good message, is that it was a well-told message as well. And I think that is is something that should be praised. I I thought some of the storytelling was quite smart. I thought that the central mystery was actually quite engaging. Uh, I thought it was a good mystery. I thought I, I I laughed at parts. I thought it was funny. I thought it, it obviously the animation is very good. 
I mostly only have very positive things to say. The only glaring negative for me was the bloody song. Viewers, you can't see yeah. this, but 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 <laughs> but Jack's having aneurysm right now. <laughs> I I would, I complete I, like as you were saying that I was like I can't think of a single thing that I thought wrong with that film. Why did I like come out of it not feeling like it was the like top ten of the year? And then, the, then, then I remember that song, and then it all like clicked into place, like, <laughs> like memento. He suddenly like, yeah. remembered everything. And he's like, oh god, what have I done? But yeah, um, I despise that song. I despise everything it stood for in the film. Oh, it was just, just oh, just give it a break. There's like that really, and there's that really annoying like police receptionist character, the fat one, that has the app. Oh, yeah. That, t- that, that was annoying. I will... That was very annoying, that part. And if it's just cut out him and that song, I genuinely wouldn't have any problems with this film at all. Yeah. But that is, oh, it's, just, it's not even the fact that it's like, it's a tight... It's not even the end. It's like, if it was an end credit song, fine. Just fine. I can switch off the film at that point. I can say fuck you, Secure. You're not you're not part of my film. Yeah, no, it's like credits don't count as part of the film. At that point the film yeah. has ended yeah. and you can't taint it. Exactly. It's like it's like reviewing a film well because it had a really great end credit scene. Yeah, you can't you can't count that. But the fact when she comes into the city and it's like, Oh my god, it's Gazelle, she's talking to me. No, shut up. I do not Oh what someone someone got attacked because of racism. We'll ask this pop star what she thought on the news. It's not like it's not oh. To be fair, they do that in real life. <laughs> that actually does happen. They ask people who have no business talking about racism about racism all the time. I'm getting quite tired now with this already. We've only done, what, three films? Should I, should I scroll through and try to do, like, quickfire ones? Yes. Do that. So I'm just going to start at April because we reviewed... Because we just did Jungle Book and Jungle Book was in April. Right, uh, Hardcore Henry. Quick. Very... It's, it's exactly what it is. It's one of the few... Like... Anything that's wrong with it is just something that's wrong with the premise. Like there is no characterization, but that's the point. It could get yeah. a bit motion. Like that to me. It could give you motion sickness, but again, that's the premise. It it does exactly what it sets out to do, and it does it damn well. It. I think Red Letter Media talked about this, and I agree with this fully. Which is the only reason I'm quoting it because it's the perfect way to sum it up. It's. A film that if you broke it up into clips and uploaded them on YouTube, every clip would be like a 10 out of 10. Amazing. But when you string it all together in a film, it's less good. But it's the fi- it's a film where now that it's out on DVD, I probably will look up like action sequence Hardcore Henry and watch that bit and go, that was very cool. Because it is very cool. It's just when it's in a string, in a long sequence, it can get a bit nauseating and a bit tiring. So from the sense of it, basically, it's like it's a it's good as like quick distractions from real life, but yeah. not something where you have to pay attention to it. Yeah, specifically, like you have to sit down and pay attention to it. Right. I also felt like uh, the first half hour wasn't that good, and I think that's the only thing that stops it from being like perfect entertainment. Is that the first half hour is a bit dull, and the action sequences there are very much like lower scale to the point of just it's him running, and then as it builds up, it gets better. But the early ones are sort of so kind of restrained that they're just a bit meh. 
and then it but it's because they're very clearly trying to escalate with each one so the first half hour is a bit but then it the rest of it is perfect yeah. as what it's supposed to be huntsman's winter war what was that film the Huntsman, Winter's War. The I don't know what that is. You just keep saying it, but I don't know what that is. I don't think the fans realised that either, because no one... I, I don't remember what is it? at all. You know The Huntsman? Snow White and The Huntsman. Oh, Snow White and The Huntsman, <laughs> right. Okay. I thought you were just joking. No, I didn't... Right, Snow White. Okay, I just... The, hun- the Huntsman's... Win- right, okay, I'm getting this so wrong. The Huntsman, Winter's War. I have a question, and I haven't seen the first one, so it is me talking out my ass. but it's a question I'm going to ask anyway. In Snow White, the Huntsman's just the dude that's paid to kill her, who then doesn't, and leaves, right? Yeah. So he's like the guy that's in the story for like two minutes. But, yeah, but, so for imagine you're in a studio, and you say like, I want to make this film, Chris Hemsworth's going to be the Huntsman, he's going to show up for two minutes, then leave. No. No. No, but couldn't he be Prince Charming or whatever her prince is called? Uh, no, 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 because he has to have long hair because he's filming Thor in the summer. <laughs> okay. That's our review of this film we haven't seen. <laughs> I haven't even seen the first one. And I, haven't talked. I don't even remember seeing trailers for this film. I, I remember seeing the trailers for the sequel more than I remember the film. But, um... <laughs> From this film, I watched the trailer. I couldn't tell if it was a sequel or a prequel. Okay. I've never had that before. <laughs> That's I found that genuinely hilarious. So we'll forget about that now. Uh, Midnight Special, did you see that in the end? No. No? Okay. I feel like that was another film where no one went to see it, but I, I never... Heard I saw it. Stranger Things. That's what Robbie Collins told me made me a bad person, because I didn't watch Midnight Special, but I saw Stranger Things. Oh, no. What, Harrison, you awful person. So you didn't pay, you didn't pay £10 to go and sit and watch 90 minutes of entertainment, but you did sit at home yes. in a service that you already pay for, yeah. that already comes directly to your TV slash phone, and there's eight episodes of 45 minutes long. You're a disgusting person. I am bad right. for not spending my money on something I didn't want to see. Exactly. You should just give all studios your money, in, in, whether you know it or not. Okay, Tideness is making stupid points for me. On Wednesday the 20th of April t- 2016, Friend Request was released. Best film of the year. Re- released, being the right term. <laughs> I still, I watched our review of that the other day, I can't remember why, but I, I think I stand by exactly what we said then, which is just, I can't believe a film made me want to watch Unfriended. <laughs> just, can't, I can't believe that happened. That's all you need, that is all you need. I'm just looking at all these films where I'm like, I thought that was still going to come out. <laughs> Jane Got a Gun. What? Did that come out? Still... That came out in April. In the, in the UK? Yeah. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> Louder than bombs. That What's Jesse that? Eisenberg film. Okay, that's fine. Miles ahead. Are you making them up? Is this twenty sixteen? Is this twenty seventeen? April that you're. Son of Saul. <laughs> Do we want to include that in the summer Son of review? Yeah, it was it's spectacle and it could have done with a giant laser firing into the sky at the end. I liked that the villain was pretty good. <laughs> the villain being humanity. 
but all being said, it's probably my favourite film that we've listed so far. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think Zootopia uh, is my favourite, which is quite weird. More more films also came out this year. <laughs> everybody, everybody wants some. Do we? I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not like a Linklater fanboy or anything. I like some of his films, but I had no cause to go see one of his lesser films. You know, like like one of his films that got a lesser reception from the people that like Linklater. I just thought like, oh, well, what's the point of me seeing it? Dazed and Confused is probably in my, if not top 10, like top 20 films, I'd say. And this is supposed to be the spiritual sequel to it. And so I thought, like, to me, this jumps out as the film that should be incredible that I really want to go watch. But just from seeing the first trailer, I just kind of lost all interest in it. And I know this this sounds like it's a very Jack Petty comment, but it's, um, it's the, <laughs> this is going to sound like very, but it's the first of his films to be done on digital. Okay. And I know that you're going to, and the point, my point being is that before this point, all of his films seem quite, even like some of his crappier comedies, they seem like they've all got quite genuine characters to them or they seem quite genuine. And the first thing that I saw from this trailer is that it all looked really false. And it just looked really fake and glossed over and too perfect. And that, to me, like it just felt like someone, like it felt like a student making a Link Later film, right? And to me, just seeing the 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 visual difference just helped me see it even more. If anything, yeah. X Men Apocalypse also came out. We liked it. I kind of, yeah, I liked it. I don't feel like I like it as much now that the. Me too. The critics have died down. Yeah, I think I mean, it was part of our liking of it was sort of almost like a retaliation against the bandwagon. Yeah, I gave it four stars, I think, in the end, but that was rounded up from seven. So seven out of ten, I feel like it's solid. I mean, it was it was also just, again, because I was fed up of... I think it's because I went into it. And I've been so used to all the Marvel films from now on, just constant marvel films and it was nice to get into a film where i felt like i knew all the characters and yes. I, felt like I knew what all the characters wanted what their what their beliefs were yeah like that was such a joy to have heroes on screen where i felt like they they the the facts wasn't so much that they were fighting this big thing but also that they were fighting their own beliefs within each other as well and there were a few other points about like race which i didn't which weren't great but at least they were in there and there's nothing really like that in any of the other superhero films they're not even tempting like that there was it's period so at least it's got something a bit more interesting with the setting than it's just slightly futuristic modern times and even though apocalypse as a villain is lackluster when we count magneto as a villain he's still the best in any of these franchise films he's a great villain and that moment with him and his daughter i mean the the baby that's how he calls them my babies is a little funny but it's still an emotional scene and all of the stuff with him was like it's good it's all he's always a good villain he's never not been and um he's still the best villain that any of these franchises have at the moment um, made this in my review as well, but I made this in re- so basically when it gets to the end of an X Men film, like the last one, it had the Sentinels in the sure it was just an army attacking them, but it was a very physical fight at the end. So they were using their powers in interesting ways for physical fights, and they had to get in physical fights one on one. For this one, it ended with Gazer Beam, Energy Bolt, 
brain waves. These are future past had them, and in particular, I think uh, first class had them all using their powers in creative ways. This did have them shooting lasers and doing exactly what their powers are in very kind of basic ways. And also, like, Days of Future Past, the actual main climax is actually less about them fighting like all these others, but it's actually about them trying to convince someone to stop, which is yeah. much more unique. And even, like, uh, the end of First Class is more about a similar thing. We're trying to convince uh, Magneto to stop, and he doesn't. And then Charles gets shot, and it's all very story-driven. This definitely did end with the big CGI spectacle that uh, all the other ones end with. I'd say it's the worst. I would say that it's the worst of the three, definitely. Uh, the only reason why I'm slightly more positive to it is just because, again, it's the characters that I've gotten to know over two films and they continue to the characters very well. Yes, definitely. And so definitely. I think the reason why I view, even though I know First Class, I know it to be a better film, I think I don't enjoy it as much. One, because it's I've watched it so many times now as well. I've, I've, I've watched it a strange, a strange amount of times. But um, it's also a... An introduction, an introduction setting up the team film, yeah, which I've seen a lot of times before as well. So, but it had to be done, and I think it was done to probably the best way they could have done with an X Men film. So, anyway, uh, a film that existence made me annoyed, me before you. Oh, just, that! Just living. Did you see that? Just living then? proof that you. No, I did not. Someone who did see that? That alone. someone I knew saw that, and I was really like, "Oh, you did? Who was it?" They taught, They assured me it was hilarious, but I will tell you this: um, the it went. It started just as I was starting my job, and I saw so many people leaving that film either in, and it was only in one of these two states. They were either in tears of laughter or tears of sorrow, and it was only those. Everyone left crying. Some not for the reasons they were supposed to, but it was. It was literally everyone seemed to be pissing themselves with hysterics. If they weren't middle-aged women, it's it's just proof to me that that film studios think people are idiots because it is just it's just two films cobbled together, and it's I'm surprised that people weren't. I mean, in the in the age of offence, I'm surprised people weren't offended by this film in that they took, and it is stealing. It is stealing of an idea. I mean, I, it just it's straight. It feels like straight up stealing to me. It is. Um, the the French one uh guy always confuse it with the Brian De Palma film. <laughs> is it The un- Intouchables. Intouchables. The, the, right, the Brian De Palma film is Brian, The Brian De Palma one is the Untouchables. Right, so this is the Intouchables. Intouchables, because it's like French translation gone wrong or something like that. I don't know. It's in touch. And that is it's a it's I mean it's it's not brilliant. Well a lot of people would say it's brilliant and it's just a good it's just a feel good film and it's not something that I genuinely enjoy it's just not my type of film but i can see why a lot of people enjoy it and it does what it sets out to do well in that it tells a feel-good story with also a bit of race relation as well and it's important because it's a french choice i mean it's a french film but it's also about class stuff in in uh, class uh rankings in france because it's all it's about the french ghetto and about how this guy's come out of the french ghetto and it's about how they are immigrants into this french ghetto and it's a uh I watched it with a French student, so I, I do. I'm not just intelligent. I did steal this stuff of them, but I mean, 
and that actually has an important basis to it and it's about because he's an aristocrat all that blah 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 and then fault in our stars is also what it's taken from so that's sure it's a teen love story it's about cancer but it's from it's from a place of genuine even though the film itself is not the, and the book is not i would say brilliant i mean i feel like it's very ham-fisted it comes from a place of genuine i feel like it comes from a place of genuine like wanting to tell a good story and wanting to tell a believable because again i've for some reason i just i know a lot about john green and i know a lot about the re reason behind that film and the writing of it and how much he was involved with the film and it feels like it comes from a very genuine place. This feels like two films that were taken from genuine places, cobbled together and gone, How? why don't we make it even more generic, even blander, and try to sell it to as many shitheads as possible? And I just despise it with my core. Because it's it's just, it treats people like idiots. It treats... I know that it has several Ed Sheeran montages as well. Which oh, is just, fuck it, Like, not just one. So, yeah. What's next? And... It's made me dislike Amelia Clark. Really? And and Pretty Boy. Don't know what his name is. Sam Cash Pretty Boy. Boy. Yeah, it's because the fact that they were trying to sell it as well. Well, Amelia Clark also did Terminator, which, I mean, I can understand that for a paycheck. I mean, it could have been decent. Yeah, yeah you, you they don't pitch these films as they're going to be terrible. We're going to reboot Terminator, but it's going to be terrible. That's, that's how they, that's how they sold it. <laughs> This one, I just feel like if I if I was an actor and I got the script and I go, oh great, I get to be disingenuous. <laughs> oh, great! I love that. I really love that. I really love milking people for tears. Mm. While we're at it, because we never did it, um, it's still summer. It totally qualifies for the summer season, and we never did it despite starting our series, Game of Thrones, just as an overall season six. <laughs> 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 summer, summer blockbuster season. It's I honestly like it. the Battle of the Bastards was the best blockbuster sequence I've seen this summer. It was the best action sequence I've seen. So I think it qualifies as a film almost. I would go so far as to say that that definitely that episode belongs in the top, at least top ten medieval battles on film, ever. Easily and because it was, I mean, and it's. Partly, again, just because it's the technology and VFX are building up so that you can make them more and more believable. But the handheld shot when he's in the battle and horses are running yeah, around and stuff like that, it's the first time that I felt like I was really... In it. Even though it's TV, like, it's not even on a big screen, and I felt like I was fully in a battle and fully... Like, it was very visceral, and it was so... It was gory, but it wasn't just to sell gore. It was gory because it was believable and showing the horrors of war as well. And it was... And it showed off interesting tactics as well, which I like. Yeah, it did, it it managed to just cause, cause when 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 like that sort of thing was pitched, I just because I've got that enough imagination, I just imagined a battle on a field. I didn't think of things like people crawling over bodies and getting trampled and all those like imaginative things. Like that's good. Well done. It also helps that I actually care about the characters more than I do in a lot of these films because I've had six seasons with them, so. I felt more invested than I do in a lot of these big spectacles in films by the time you get to them. Oh, it's a massive help for that. I definitely feel that, yeah. But at the same time, just because you've got so much extra time with the characters doesn't stop it from being such a quality show and such something that it's it's the highlight of my year. In season, and episode 10, I actually liked episode 10 even more. 
because that opening uh, sequence with the wildfire was just one of the coolest things. It's just one of the coolest things. Yeah. And it was such a great yeah, season. So cool. And overall, I know we never did it, but overall I'd give that season a high nine out of ten. If it wasn't if it or if it wasn't for that, that fucking Sam episode. Oh, oh seven or six. That, that Sam, I think that was I think that was seven or six, because it was. I think that was the one where you were away or something like that, and you said, "Oh, oh, I've missed Game of Thrones," and I said, "Great, you missed the two worst episodes of the season." And it were they were the two worst episodes of the season. Um, if it wasn't for that completely, completely padding episode, I would have said that it was bar none, like completely the best season so far. Oh, really? Cool. Mm. Hey, I know you like the first one. No, the fourth one. Right. Fourth one as well. Okay. No, the f- I actually think the first one's was the lower end of my list, to be honest. Yeah, I would say as well. I feel Four, like, I like fourth, first fourth, second, sixth. And then I don't know the rest of the rank, but fourth, second, and sixth yeah. are the ones I really, really like. The Nice Guys came out. That's my segue. Yay! Segue. Nice Guys. Nice Guys. Good so, film. Yeah. It, good. Made, it made me want to go back and rewatch Iron Man 3. Really? Well, that's good coming from you. Um, I Okay, so... That's coming from you, you piece of shit. Um, I, I love Shane Black. Uh, and I felt like this was the weakest of his films that he's directed. Oh, really? So I don't think it's his weakest that he's been involved in, by any measure. But I do definitely like... I think I like Iron Man 3 more just because it's got the bravery to sort of make a Shane Black film out of a superhero blockbuster. And I like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang more just because it felt like the nice guys, but funnier. Having said that, I still love it because I love Shane Black. I just think that when I go to a Shane Black film, I mainly go for the verbal comedy, for the one-liners and the sarcasm and the wit. And this felt like it was a lot more about the physical comedy. Yeah, it did have a lot of physical comedy. Yeah, and I, I'm I, it was very good physical comedy, but I'm definitely I, I definitely lean more towards uh, like one-liners and the the dialogue jokes which i felt like they weren't as memorable as they are in some of his other films but it was good physical comedy i liked both the characters i liked the central mystery i ultimately probably laughed more than i have in any other film this year maybe except maybe deadpool and it's very good it's it is very good uh even though I sound like I'm being critical of it. I do like it a lot. I'm sure I'll watch it hundreds of times when it's out. I just, I guess it's just because it's not Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and I'll be holding everything he does to that standard forever. See, I have not seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or any of his other works besides Iron Man 3. I think it is, I think even if I go back and watch Iron Man 3 again, I think it is def- it's for me it's going to be better. Anyway, I know. I, I, because... Iron Man 3 is very much like a film that personally appeals to me a lot, but I know a lot of other people don't love it anywhere near as much as I do. Mm. But I, I I really like Iron Man 3 a lot. There were definitely bits where I felt like it faltered a bit, but I quite like all the physical comedy just because I don't see that much yeah. Yeah. physical comedy in films anymore. It is definitely different. It is, it, like, I couldn't think of it. Like, people keep sort of comparing it to, like, all these silent movie duos. And I see that, and I think it's true. And it is funny, physical comedy. It's just physical comedy isn't what I find that funny. Yeah, true. I just kind of found it quite refreshing. Yeah, there, there were two bits where I, like, literally... And this reminded me of Iron Man 3 and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. 
where there were two bits where I was laughing and then like a few minutes, like, you know, a, a, an inordinate amount of time later, I was still laughing and I felt uncomfortable because it was weird being that one guy laughing. But, you know, there are at least two moments where that happened. And that's more than I can say for a lot of films, a lot of proper comedy films. And this isn't a proper comedy film. This is a detective film at the end of the day. Those bits, uh, by the way, were the bit where he like dived to get the gun from his ankle and it wasn't there. That I that made me, and then the other bit was is a small bit. It like shouldn't be, like that funny. But I just thought it was really was when he was like hiding behind the car, ready to pop out of cover, and then by the time it had turned all the way around, he was just there looking at them. And I I thought that was really funny, like the stuff where it was sort of making fun of like cliches like that, or not cliches, but just the way things work in action films. That stuff yeah, is really, really, really funny to me. It's not a cliche to to have someone be undercover and then for them to stay undercover. But you know what I mean? Like it's a it was a joke at the expense of like how you normally expect things to go. That stuff was really funny. I thought the characters were both really good. And for all of my sort of it's good, but it's not kiss kiss bang bang. It's still easily in my top five of the year. So mm. And I think it's just partly because I'm I'm I think I'm just easier on the physical comedy, even though because I wouldn't, I would say that generally verbal comedy is what I'm more into. But it's the fact that I'm so used to all these American comedies where they rely entirely on just talking to get jokes across. Like it's uh, like it's this isn't the standard American comedy where they just set up the cameras and the people improv in front. No, of I, them. I, I, I wish we had more films true. like it. Um, yeah, for in numerous right. ways, from the fact that it's a detective-y film to the fact that it's like a mid-budget film which is the rare thing like you know it's either now blockbuster oscar film or horror slash indie but to have this sort of like medium budget thing is a bit weird not in, not like i mean it's weird and a good like we don't really get that many of those anymore it's either you gotta go all out or you gotta save money but this felt like they'd obviously spent quite a bit of money on it with the period details and the action sequence at the end is not big, but very well executed and not cheap looking. It never looks cheap, is what I'm trying to... It never looks cheap. It looks expensive, but there's no massive set pieces or anything. And that kind of like mid-budget film is something that I wish we did have more of, where we weren't just restricted to, like, you're either doing a big-budget film or you're making an indie film. Which Which is it? Or it's an Oscar film. It's it's like we're gonna do an action film that isn't based on anything, and that doesn't necessarily need a massive like vehicular explosion fest at the end. That's good. I like that. More of that, definitely. I'd say that I found there were moments where I did find it a bit cheap. Yeah, that's, that's just, just because I... I felt like it was moments where they were aiming a bit higher than the budget could allow. Like what? That's. Uh, effects shots. Okay. I think just it. Not in terms of the quality of the filmmaking, just in that I felt like they couldn't, they just didn't have the budget or the means to make perfectly, like the, 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 the shot that just comes to mind is every time they try to do a panning shot, a transition to like a skyline or something like that, and it's just a bit, it's just a tiny bit like clunky or off, and to, to me that's like the standout of a film that's trying to do more with its budget than it has and that's not bad by any means but it's um 
And if anything, it just made me realise this film has a lower budget than it looks. Fair enough, yeah. Like, because of the, for all the other scenes where it's just shot normally, where they don't try effects, it looks like a high budget thing. It looks like a big budget film. And for even even though I'd say that there were these moments where I thought that looks a bit cheap, it made me just kind of appreciate the film a bit more, appreciate what they were doing. So I wouldn't say them as a negative point, if anything. But for all my sort of negativity, it's a very funny film and is easily in my top five, potentially top three. I don't know where it ranks. I need to see it again. But I like it a lot. I would probably give it a nine. So... I just, the reason I'm being so kind of like reserved with it is just because I know how much I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's one of my favorite films. And this feels so much like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's the other thing. It's not just like, oh, it's not as good as this totally unrelated film. It's like this does feel like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in a lot of ways. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is the funnier film. And the cleverer film. You had Finding Dory. I didn't see Finding Dory. Yeah, okay. Um, I feel like I enjoyed it more than Finding Nemo. Which a lot of people... A lot of people would not agree with that. And I think that's just because I've become tired to death of Finding Nemo. And so when this wasn't... When I wasn't bored with this, I was like, this must be better. <laughs> because I'm bored of that. Because I'm bored of that film that I've heard people talk about for twelve years. Like, well, I, um, I, I have a very. Uh, I this is so objectively wrong of me, but I think Finding Dory, it, it, Nemo, is one of the weaker Pixar films. I know. I'd agree with you. I don't think it's that great. I, I, I there's good stuff in it, but I find. That I'm not that attached to the characters in a way that I am with other Pixar. Like, I don't care about Marlin and Dory anywhere near as much as I care about Woody and Buzz. Particularly Dory. She pisses me off. <laughs> I find her quite irritating. And, um, yeah, I, I've never liked Finding Nemo that much. I don't know if that's going to be a positive or a negative for me going into Finding Dory. I just feel like it, it, it really helped it. I think if it was less the first one was less quotable i feel like less people would go it's amazing because now it's i feel like it's got a longevity with how many quotes people use all the time i i, I mean i just find personally i also find yeah i found dory to be quite an annoying character in the first one even as a kid i found her annoying but this one they tone down it they tone down her stupidness as it goes on which I suppose they're trying to make it so that she's growing as a character, but at the same time I just felt... Is she, is she the protagonist? Yes. But it's it's not so much that it's entirely on her, in that Marlin and Nemo do have a sizable plot as well. So every time that they don't spend too long on her, and every time that they do, uh, it's kind of in short bursts of stupid, and then they have a kind of a... And the kind of emotional moment, but at the same time, it um, there were moments where I thought, I can see why they like. As in, I felt like when when I heard when you hear of Pixar films, when you used to hear of Pixar films, you and they you watched them, you were like, "There's a reason they made that film. It was for this feeling, this emotion, blah blah blah." Moments in Finding Dory, I was like, I can see why they made it because they felt like they had the story to make it. 
a, um, a lot of other times I felt like they just made it because it was popular. And there were moments where I felt like, oh, so they, they genuinely had, like, there were genuine reasons to make this. But majority of the time, I just felt like they were playing up to what would make money. Like, giving this, I mean, it's basically finding Joey. <laughs> uh, get, get, take, take the character that people laugh at the most and make them the main character. They did that, they, like, they did that to sell it to more people. And then they turned it down a bit because they felt like it would work better with the film. They did all new side characters, which are all decent-ish. The octopus is actually probably the best character added, I'd say. So I just, I'm realizing I'm a lot more neutral about it than I thought I was. Probably just because I'm tired as well. But I mean, um, it was just, it's, it's again quite a forgettable film, and I don't think it's going to last as long as Finding Nemo has lasted, and. They were just because I felt like there were times when they were really trying to like get me to feel more than I should just be feeling naturally because of the way that things are working. Like the the thing that really aggravated me for because I'm petty again, uh, the baby Dory. They keep cutting back to lots of scenes of baby Dory, and she's just like, she's like if you asked the Disney designers make something disgustingly cute, <laughs> and then. The, and then they were like, okay, so now we've used that as like a base plate. We're going to like change it so it's not as annoying. And they go, no, that, yeah. that's in the film now. That, that's that We've already done that. It's basically just like, a, just imagine a blue blob and then double that, like double the exact same size as the blue blob. And that's its eyes. <laughs> and then, and then uh, it talks Talk, talk, talks with a slight. Uh, I'm doing. This sounds offensive when I try to do the stutter. I try to do baby voice, but basically, is it like, Ellen generous doing the baby, or is it a baby doing the baby? It's a. It's like a, uh, it must be a different voice. It, might, it is a different voice, but it's it's like, you know how in the first film, uh, Nemo miss says an enemy. Yeah, and it's kind of quite sweet. It's like they, it's like they thought, oh, that bit was quite sweet. Let's get Dory to do that for every single flashback scene about every word. It's like this is a shell, shell. <laughs> it sounds like Charlie, like Brazil. <laughs> but um, that that aggravated me. And then the ending is like the the thing is with Pixar films as well, like. They can have big endings. I mean, think about Toy Story 3. It's sort of a big ending. It's a big fiery inferno. But it's realistic because they're just toys. They're just toys going into an inferno. When you think about it, they're just literally... They've been thrown in a bin and they're going towards the dump. That's the big climactic thing. The, Toy Story 2. Well, the climax of Finding Nemo is, is just him getting flushed down the drain, isn't it? Yeah. It's just him getting out of a tank. Yeah. But basically, the end of this is so uncharacteristic of Pixar in how large scale it is. Like, it's massively a large scale, like, caper and it doesn't feel Pixar-y at all. But, and, and then, uh, oh, the Sia song was, ooh. Ooh, the Sia song was bad. Really? Ne I, this is the worst credits song tone change. Really? Since, since, uh, the Hobbit, the second Hobbit, with that Ed Sheeran song. Wow, why? What was was it? 
Was it like? And I would say that is that I did hate the Shakira song in Zootopia, but at least they were like threatening me with that the whole film. Like I knew that was coming. And it ends on like a happy note, and then it goes. It cuts to Sia, and she goes, like, unforgettable. That's what you are. Is it that and song? It's eerie. It's yeah. It's unforgettable by Nat King Cole again. The Watchmen song. <laughs> Yes, yes, which is really good, really good in Watchmen, <laughs> and it's and it's they like they just they ask Sia right. So we're making this Pixar film about Happy Dory. What song are you gonna? Oh, okay, it's just gonna mutter words slowly into the microphone. Okay, okay, and it's so eerie. <laughs> it felt like it was, <laughs> and it's and it's with shots of it's with shots of like the characters having fun. But it's like got this eerie song to it, and I'm like, that sounds like something. What they do. did, it's it made me feel like it was a thing where they're like they were dead the whole time. <laughs> yeah. it sounds like something Sorry. we do to the footage. <laughs> yes, I thought we I thought we said the credit songs don't count. Some credit songs. <laughs> this and Ed Sheeran. Star Trek. We've already done. You could you could read that. The BFG, BFG, bland. I was a bit kind on it to be honest. It's it's kind of boring. That's it's just boring, and it doesn't. It lacks like a sense of adventure for a lot of it. Like I, I said this. I think I said this in my review, but like the first forty minutes is just her and the BFG in a room talking. It's it's like this is a whimsical adventure. I'm the BFG, and these giants are mean to me. And oh, BFG. Gee, I need to go home and well we need the bus. BFG She keeps saying BFG in this really high pitched voice every time I did sort of I was sat in my seat I would squ- like scrunch up in a ball of anger every time she did it. She's BFG Shush Shush and they're just talking. They go back and forth and talking. There are a couple of moments where it has that Spielbergian sense of adventure, but so much of it is just a bit boring. It's it's a weirdly boring, lacking in anything close to magic film. The fact that the best bit of the film is a fart joke is quite daffing. <laughs> <laughs> And some people have said, like, like I know a lot of reviewers our age have sort of said, like, it might not be that great to us, but I can imagine kids who watch it now will grow up with it being their favourite film. And I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't. I, <laughs> I was a dumb as shit when I was that age. But I just, I, I, I feel like they'd find it as fine as I did. <laughs> now you see me too. I- that, that's a film that is so spectacularly stupid, it actually manages to make the first one make less sense as well as itself, which is impressive. <laughs> See, I, I, we joke about that. I genuinely find it quite impressive that it did that. I, I that told some... you, I explained the ending to you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is like, I, I remember as soon as it happened, I, 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 I audibly went in the cinema, I audibly went, what? Like, just, like I couldn't contain it. What? And then, it's weird, it's a film made up of two types of twists, ones that you can see coming from 300 miles away, and ones that you just can never see coming even after they've happened, because they're so inexplicable. Like, there's a bit, 
I'm not going to spoil this to you, but I bet you, you can guess exactly what happens from my description because I was the whole time I was like, yep, yep, I get it. In the end, the, the horsemen get kidnapped and put onto a, uh, a, a, a plane and they're out and the, it's, it's night time. Sorry, can I just pause you a second? Yeah. Uh, is the plane actually parked? Yes. <laughs> yes, the plane is fucked. That's exactly what I was going to say. I just think it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And then there's a bit where, just in case you haven't got it, at this point, it was like, I cannot... But if anyone doesn't see this coming now, they are retarded. Because the bad guy goes... The bad guy goes, takes the two kit or the horsemen, to the, to the outside the door and throws them out the plane. But you don't see outside the plane. You just see him inside throwing them out and it never cuts to them falling or to anything outside the plane it's just them falling falling but they land on a but it was just it was so obvious and it, it really really like bugged me but then it's followed by a twist to the like you know a, tw- a twist that fucking Jean Grey couldn't see coming it's so <laughs> mind-knowingly stupid I think that's, uh, I mean, I can't, I, I think that's just about it. I can't really think of any yeah, other films. Well, that's Suicide Squad. No one ever reviewed Suicide Squad. I, you can do that if you want, but I mean, uh, we. I think we covered it pretty well with the last episode. Suicide Squad is a film, I saw it I saw it again um, last week. And oh, I didn't know you saw it again. It, oh, no, I did. I did yeah, it. I told you, because like, some of the stuff bothered me a little less. Look, it's... A very flawed film, but one that I can't quite bring myself to dislike because I like the characters and I like a lot of the individual scenes enough for me to sort of like kind of regard it as a guilty pleasure. Mm. But I won't pretend that it isn't massively flawed and that I wasn't disappointed when I saw it. Okay. Uh, I'll watch it eventually. I don't feel like it's something that I feel is worth to see in the cinema mm. at this point now. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't like try and say, "Oh no, you should see it. You should see it," because you shouldn't really. I, I just have like I like these characters enough for like particularly like the Batman related characters. I have quite an attachment to, so that that's why I like it. Yeah, no, I I love the Batman characters. I mean. I find the Arkham Asylum, that's why I find Arkham Asylum particularly in all those games really interesting and really fun to play because if it was, was it a Marvel game with the same character and it was just like, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm bland, I want to kill things. Do you have a reason? No, I'm not <laughs> playing. Like, I like that they actually have characters and they are crazy, but they are crazy in different ways and they're crazy in that they interact well as well. Like, they're not just the same characters in an echo chamber. All of the Harley stuff that is in the film is good, apart from a couple of the cringy one-liners. But, like, there's a bit in the film where I thought, like, that, I can see how in, like, a longer cut of the film, that would be a really, really good emotional moment where basically Harley is really upset about something and she's crying. And then all the other characters come by and she all of a sudden, like, sees them there and starts acting insane and cookie again because she doesn't want to see doesn't want them to see her cry and it is quite sad but at the same time like i felt like if that was in a film that made much more sense around it 
like that would be a really good emotional moment and there are tons of bits like that like that action sequence would have been really cool if I knew why anyone was fighting that was our kind of wrap up of summer very weak yeah I mean it's it's looking through the films it wasn't so much that I was like oh I, I missed all these films I'm just like I didn't go see these films like I felt like at least I got that's the one thing I would say is that like the last few summers we've had have been really good like last year there was Mad Max and all kinds of cool stuff and even the worst like the lesser things were still pretty good the year before that was the year of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes X-Men Days of Future Past Guardians of the Galaxy The Winter Soldier uh, lots of other things it was like a really really strong summer and like for a few years in a row now we've had this and it felt like maybe it's just it's guaranteed to have a bad one soon but this one didn't really disappoint me that much because half of these films I didn't care about in the first place it just looked crap from the beginning <laughs> it's like I didn't want to call it a disappointing summer because I wasn't that excited for most things there's nothing that wanted me to get out to the cinema in particular there were a few things where like oh if i had the chance to like go see them beforehand or something like that i would have been quite excited to see them beforehand but nothing so much that i'm like i really have to go see this as soon as it is out or i'm gonna be missing out like they were they were all enough that i feel like i could wait for a few months yeah. i'm just kind of hoping for Star Wars to maybe bring up the whole year. Uh, I feel like Star Wars is the next film that I was saying that will get me out. As in, want because uh, <laughs> this film I review channel will not have a review until December. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can review like the films that slowly, like, slowly dredge onto video, video on demand, demand. <laughs> and TV, right? Um. Yeah, thank you for this. If you've listened this far, you're more dedicated than I am. I'm probably <laughs> editing this in pain right now. But, uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening. Well, I, I swear I would. I don't think I ever want to do this one this length again. Not, no offence, but I feel like it's going to be the hell to, to cut down. Don't cut. Just uh, only cut the Anton Yelchin bit. Have a stopwatch. <laughs> just cut the Anton Yelchin bit. <laughs> Now I'm gonna leave this bit in because now people will think, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't meant to be offensive. Harrison, go on a rant. Uh, no, it was honestly, it was meant as a sincere thing. So, thank you, thank you for listening. You're a stronger man than I am. Oh, <laughs> um, woman. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And we'll yeah. be back with maybe other people later. <laughs> Find out who you are.